Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for taking a moment to take a look at the book with me. We're going to be studying about the Feast of God. I have a five-part audio series on CD entitled that, The Feast of God. How do they play into end times activities? Well, the Bible talks much about the Feast of God. They had a historic and agricultural background, and they have a great prophetic significance. Let's take a moment and listen to another portion of this five-part series entitled A Trio of Feast. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you how you can get your copy of The Feast of God. Right now, here's the study. Let's look at the shadow of things to come. Go over with me, if you will, to the, to the New Testament just a few moments. Over in the New Testament, by the way, as you're coming over to the Gospel of, uh, of John, actually, chapter 12, verse 1, stop by two other locations. Get John 12 and keep your finger there, but stop by two other locations as you're coming there. I want you to stop by Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, and let me show you something which God is going to tell us. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of high holy day or in the new moon, chapter 2, verse 16, or in the Sabbath days, chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 17, which are a shadow, the high holy days, the Shabbat, the new moon, all of these, look at verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of Christ. Now look back over in Acts chapter 6 just for a second. As I was studying this, and as Martin and I were preparing to do a series on the feast of the Lord that he gives to the Jewish people, I ran across a verse in Scripture that just blew me away as it relates to what God is doing through these types, through these prototypes or models of things to come. In the chapter uh, 6 of the book of Acts, in verse 7, there's a very interesting phrase that's given there. You might remember chapter 6 is the selection of the first men who are going to act as the duty of deacons. They're selected and hands laid on them by the apostles, and they start to serve the table so the apostles can preach and pray and win people to Jesus Christ. Now look in verse 7. Chapter 6, and the word of the Lord increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And here's what I want you to look at, underline this phrase. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. One day I was reading through Acts chapter 6, and I jumped off and said, wow, look at that. A great number of priests were obedient to the faith. What in the world is that talking about? Having done a lot of study on the third temple that's coming, I knew and studied the first and second temples, I knew that you had a large constituency of priests to operate the temple. You know how many priests you need to operate the temple? 28,000 priests to operate the temple. 28,000 priests. They're divided into certain segments. That's how I can tell you I know exactly when Christmas took place. Because of who was serving when at certain times. 28,000 priests. And it says a great multitude of priests... Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what are we talking about here? Half of 28,000? 14,000? Three quarters? Which would be 21,000? How many priests? I'm not sure how many priests this number is. But think with me just a moment. These young men who were priests were born into the family of the Kohanim. They were 
destined from the very outset of their birth to be priests. They must be involved in study. They started studying the book of Leviticus from the very outset. They studied the first seven chapters, the sacrificial system. They understood the standards of 8, 9, and 10 for them as priests. They understood the system of worship from the rest of the book of Leviticus. They had book memorized Leviticus. They studied every priestly duty there was. They were, at 30 years of age, this is when they became priests. They didn't become priests until they were 30 years old. They spent 30 years just studying the book. And then after that, they continued to study. The high priest on the day of Yom Kippur would read through his responsibility seven times before he ever went behind the veil of the temple. And he would call the other men in and they would study together. They were continually studying. And Jesus Christ dies on the cross, is buried and resurrected. And a great multitude of these priests who had been studying all there is to know about the temple and all the feast activities turned to Jesus Christ. When I saw that, well, what is that talking about? Let me study with you just a moment, if you will. Allow me to do this. Let's study the narrative of the last week in the life of Jesus Christ before he was crucified. Got chapter 12, John. Let me lay down some information for you. Details surrounding the crucifixion. Again, remember all these details, please. I think you're going to see what I'm talking about in just a moment. John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Bethany is on the backside of the Mount of Olives. It's just right there before you come up over the crevice at the top of the Mount of Olives. Bethany and Bethpage. Looking, before you come across, look across the Kidron Valley. Jesus had come into Jerusalem, healed Lazarus in chapter 11 of John, left Jerusalem, or left Bethany actually, went back out to Ephraim. He stays out there. It's approximately 15 miles from the city of Jerusalem, almost to Jericho. He goes into Jericho and those activities take place. Then he comes across the Judean wilderness up the backside of the Mount of Olives. 15 miles plus he's traveled. He arrives in Jerusalem six days before Passover. Remember that, six days before Passover. By the way, I know that this was not a Shabbat he was traveling because you can't travel that far on Shabbat. So it was Friday. I submit to you it was Friday he's traveling in to Jerusalem, into Bethany. Comes to the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are there. Martha prepares a meal. Why? It's the Shabbat meal, a special meal every week for the Jewish people. Sundown comes. Remember, sundown Friday begins the Shabbat, the Sabbath. Sundown comes, there's a meal served. Martha prepares this meal, and where's her sister Mary? Over here getting the best oil that she could find, the best perfume, breaks it open, and is anointing the feet of Jesus Christ on Shabbat. Because they're having the Shabbat meal after Shabbat begins. And here's Mary anointing the feet of Jesus Christ. Anointing his whole body. Judas Iscariot makes some comment about it. He, he goes ahead. Look what happens over here on verse 12. And on the next day, which would be now Saturday, from what we started on the day he came into Bethany, chapter 12, verse 1, 
chapter 12, verse 12, the next day, Saturday, we're going to see an unveiling of Jesus Christ in the triumphal entry. But for the best narrative of that, look over to Mark chapter 11 with me just a moment. Remember, these are the synoptic gospels. They lay out all the information about the activities of Jesus Christ. Mark 11, best details for us, the triumphal entry. Mark 11, chapter 11, verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered in, into it, ye can find a colt tied, whereupon never men sat, loose him and brain him. In other words, go find a never ridden before colt. He's tied up over there. Brain him over to me. You know the story. He comes over. He gets on the colt. They start down from the Mount of Olives to the temple site, to the temple mount, and making the triumphal entry. Hosea! Hosea Nahias! He's coming! And the people start to sing and start to welcome him. And the triumphal entry is taking place. By the way, maybe you didn't catch it. I said on Friday he arrived at Bethany. And the next day, you probably have been duped by religiosity to thinking that Jesus made the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. <laughs> Wrong you are. And let me present the evidence. He comes down. He goes into the city, verse 11, chapter 11, the book of Mark. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about Upon all things, look at that, all things he had looked at, and now the eventide was come, so he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. That's the beginning, excuse me, the end of that first day. He comes down, looks at the temple, at all things, doesn't say a word, comes back, goes up to Bethany over the Mount of Olives, goes to spend the night with Mary, Lazarus, and Martha. Verse 12, and on the next day, that Sunday, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree. And you know that story. Now look at verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them at that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew their tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that they, any man should carry any vessel through the temple. He said, this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer. And what are you doing in here? And he throws over the, the tables and he throws them out of the temple. Don't you be in my father's house. That's Sunday. And then he goes back up to, to spend the night. Look at verse 19. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, verse 20, he comes back into Jerusalem. Look at verse 27. And they come again to Jerusalem. Now, how do I know this was Saturday, Sunday, and Monday instead of Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday? First day he comes in, he comes, Hosanna in the highest, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the potentate. He walks into the temple and he looks at everything. And there were no money changers there. How do I know? Because he would have thrown them out on the spot. Why weren't they there? It was Shabbat. It was Sabbath. No money changers show up on Sabbath. As the potentate, he looks it over. Goes back up, spends the night in Bethany. 
with Mary, Lazarus, and Martha. Next morning, gets up. Come on, men. We're going back to the temple. He walks into the temple this time as the priest. It's Sunday morning. And all the money changers have been there early in the morning. Because Shabbat's over and now the new week is beginning. And now they have to offer other sacrifices. And as the priest, he walks in, takes these money changers, throws their tables over, throws them out, says, this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer. Don't you ever come back here. Goes back up, spends the night in Bethany with Martha, Lazarus, and Mary. Comes back the third day as the prophet and starts teaching all that come unto him. By the way, you preachers, as a three-part message, that'll preach. The potentate, the priest, and the prophet have just come in to the temple. And these are the first days of this last week of Jesus Christ. Thank you so very much for taking a few moments to take a look at the book, the subject, The Feast of God. How do they play into end-time activities? Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. He resurrected on first fruits, and as he promised, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. By the way, there are three fall feasts the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus Christ will fulfill those feasts as well in the proper day sequences. Now, if you want to understand how the feasts predict the end-time events that are happening in our day, you need to have your copy of this The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD available right now. You can call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. That number is toll-free from across America. Call and order your copy of The Feast of God. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Or if you'd like to, you can go right this moment to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and order your copy of The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD, available for you right away. And let me just remind you, everything that we've talked about in this study, and in fact all of the study of the Feast of God, indicates that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled before the rapture, when Jesus calls us to be with him, Every single one of those prophecies have been fulfilled. The rapture will begin the prophetic events prophesied in God's word that must happen before Christ comes back. Evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ could shout, the archangel could shout, and the trump of God could sound to call us to be with him in the air. That's the rapture. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...